Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh. With me, as always, is Mike. How you doing, Mike? Let's get to the draft here. I'm done. I'm done with the offseason. Let's go. You're all <laughs> I'm done? ready. I'm ready. Yeah, like all the all the interesting stuff's kind of ended. Like for me, it's it's like okay, now it's just the countdown to drafting for for fantasy football. Like I'm just ready. You know, I, I if it was August, I'd be like, oh yeah, like we're in August. Like let's go. But we still have all of July to get through. So I'm just ready. Like I'm ready to draft. I want to get my team together. I want to start watching football again. Let's go. Yeah, that's fair. This is like a weird. Like loitering period in the off season because we're just we're getting news, I guess, from training camps. Well, tr- once mini training camps, camps start, yeah. mini camps, yeah. Um, you know, like the the hype pieces, the unfortunately the the injury news. So, yeah, which that like the injury news and people being cut and stuff like that's still you know it's unfortunate, but it's still fascinating enough to be like, oh, okay, this may impact this, and this may impact this. Um, but it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely that lull period. Like once they have their free agency and then they have their draft, okay, there are mini camps and rookie camps and stuff that happen. But for the most part, we're just waiting for August when training camp opens and you really start to see what the teams are going to look like. Yeah, and I find like every time I read a piece about like a, a player, so uh, I don't know, like... Um... Romeo, there were quite a bit. There was quite a bit coming out about Romeo Dobbs over the past, uh, I think, two weeks, and then you know, like the the gears start turning, and you know, like, okay, well, how does that change? You know, what I think of him, or like, what his ranking is for for the season and stuff, and it's like, oh, like, where should I be drafting him? And mm-hmm. then like, oh man, I want to get into a draft, and then like, see where he ends up, and it just starts snowballing, and ultimately always ends up with like, I, I want to draft. Let's let's do this. <laughs> Yeah. And like, that's the thing, like it's all this stuff is definitely fascinating, but it just kind of fuels the fire of getting ready um, for the, for the draft. And I think, I think it's football brings such joy to my life in ways that many people don't understand and get mad at me for. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know, you work hard during the week in order to really just like relax and have some fun watch some football and fantasy just kind of adds this thing to it where it becomes like an everyday thing for the football season. Like it gives you something that every single day, aside from work, you can think about and focus on and have a little bit of fun with. And it, it, you know, it means something to you, but it doesn't have the same real life consequences. If you know what I mean? Like it's like lower, lower stakes, even though it's high stakes and we both care about it and we both, you know, try things, but it's lower stakes than life. So I really like that aspect of it. And that's why I just want it to be back. Like I'm ready to, I feel like I'm ready to dive into a draft um, and just see who I get this year. Cause that for us, we completely restart our teams. We don't have any like players that we hold on to where we don't do a dynasty. So our league just kind of resets and we're still down a player. We got to get a player in there. Um, so that that's part of my task over the next little bit, but I'm ready. I want to set our draft date and get going. Yeah. Once, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I find it hard to, I guess, pinpoint exactly when 
the switch flips, but every fantasy football season, maybe it's before the draft, maybe it's as of the draft, but essentially like first thing I do when I wake up, checking like fantasy news, looking at the waiver wire. Last thing I do before I go to bed, checking news, waiver wire. It It's just always something that I'm looking at. Um, and go, going back to like your your football thing, like you set aside time and like people get mad at you for that. Yeah. Years ago at a different job than where I work currently, I booked off Sundays. I was like, I am not working Sundays. And I don't know if they, I don't think I, I don't think I ever told them the reason I just said, I'm not working Sundays. So maybe they thought it was like a, a religious thing. Probably, but it was pro- probably because um, it was year round. Um, but essentially, it was just for the entire football season, so I could watch football and not have to worry about having to be stuck at work. I've done the same thing, and even like, especially the past couple of years. Now I, I've worked, especially now, like I'm I'm working pretty flexible jobs that like kind of have deadlines type thing. But I really plan my schedule around. I will not be working. Sundays. I will not do anything. I won't even look at my phone. I won't look at anything. Well, I mean, I'll look at my phone, but I won't look at my work stuff and I'll focus on football because it's just, yeah, it's a nice kind of step away and you like watching the games. And that's why the fantasy, like you build up all week, you set your lineup and now Sundays, really, you get to see what happens. (laughs) You know, you get to kind of see what, what happens with your team and fantasy adds like such a level of angst to it that it's a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm really ready for, to, it to be fall um even though you, you people don't you never want to wish away your summer but i don't like being warm so i'm i'm happy for some fall weather yeah you know i'm not a big summer guy either fall is actually yeah. my, my favorite season and, and not too. even like football i guess would be part of it but like just the temperature like thanksgiving's my favorite holiday like i like the food you know so fall is just where it's at for me um yeah, I, I, I too don't like the heat that much um so yeah, the fall is just perfect. And then the added bonus is, hey, football's back. Yeah, I'm so. all for the fall. I'm all on board for the fall. It just, the air smells great. It's just a great atmosphere. I love the the weather in the fall. Football adds to it. I used to, I think it's also because I used to not like the fall so much because it meant going back to school. And I mm, <laughs> was never yeah. a big, never a big fan of school. Even in university, like there were, there were good times in university, but I still always had that angst of going back to the fall and it meant like okay back to real hard work but i think now that i'm older and that i you know i don't i'm not a teacher i don't get summers off so i work all the time the fall has easily become my favorite season and it's not even close yeah me too uh for me it's more like with my work summer is absolutely insane in terms of how busy we get so the fall is kind of when it starts gearing down uh, so I, I appreciate that when it comes around and like the cooler weather comes, comes around and makes my life a lot easier in terms of work. Yeah. And that, that's the thing, like with, with all of our lives, like seasonal, there's always that kind of seasonal switches and fall to me has just always been better. Cause even, and I get it, like winter can be dreary and can be difficult and a lot of people don't like it. And I find spring is not much better. Like I think spring I to me spring is just- so much. Spring is spring is kind of like fall, except it's it's wet and it's sticky and it smells bad. Yes, because everything's like defined from the summer. Like it's not good. Spring is not good. Spring is not fall. 
fall I am is, not, is not a spring 100%. guy. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I'm the happiest in fall. So I think that's why I'm looking for it. I'm kind of done with summer and I'm in the kind of midsummer drag right now. So I'm, I'm just ready, ready for the fall. Absolutely. Well, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll move into the news there to, I guess, prepare us for the fantasy football season approaching in the fall. Got some, not very much news, but all of it, well, almost all of it, pretty relevant to the upcoming fantasy season. So we'll start off with Dalvin Cook. So it uh, was released this week that he is currently not willing to accept the Dolphins' current offer. Interesting. So they they spoke about like the offer being on the table, and essentially it sounds like he's holding out to see if he can get a better one. And I, I had read that he might be waiting to see what happens with Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley, because if they go and get real big deals before, uh, before I think it's the 17th that they have to sign uh, or play on the franchise tag. So a week from today's recording, we're recording on the 12th. If they sign new contracts that are really big, they're going to reset what running backs are worth right now. Cause right now running backs are kind of like the pendulum has swung away and teams aren't willing to pay them very much. So I think he's waiting to see, cause like, He's a free agent. He's He's got time on his side, really. Um, there's no clock for him other than the start of the season. So if he, he can wait the extra week or so, see if a big deal comes in that might end up getting him more money because he can say, well, hey, these guys just paid Josh Jacobs this much money. I want that much money or Saquon Barkley or, right. or what have you. Um, but then again, like those two situations might not get sorted out and he might end up just taking the, the Dolphins current offer because that's the best that he's going to get. Yeah. I mean, it's again, for me, at least when a player misses time, it hurts the player more than they seem to think it does. So I, I would think as a player, you'd want the start of the season to be kind of your thing. Like, okay, I've got to be in training camp and I've got to get my season started, but players don't think that way. They just want to, they just want to get paid. Um, but I, I certainly as a fantasy for fo- fantasy football, the more time a player misses, including trading camp, the the more they drop down my list because we've seen that go bad where players yeah. look, they or at least at least a slow start, if not their whole season being kind of not what it could have been. So I think uh, to me, there should be some pressure there. But I'm sure the player doesn't really feel the same way. They just, you know, they want to get a good situation. Um, I don't know what other situations are going to be out there, but there are two big name unsigned running backs that could make a big difference on a team out there. And I'm very surprised they haven't been signed yet. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't heard much about, uh, Fournette and Elliot. I'm assuming that's the two you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aside from cook. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard much about them in terms of offers, but it's also very possible they're doing the exact same thing as Cook. They're all just playing the waiting game, right? Which for Nett, that might hurt more because he's not at the same level as Elliot and Cook. Yeah, he's the third of those three. Absolutely. 100%. So that's a little bit different. But again, it it could be a domino effect. If a player is interested, a team, sorry, is interested in Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott, Fournette's kind of the third choice. So they want to know they're out of the running from either of the other ones, and then they would go for Fournette from there. 
Um, so maybe it's just going to be a domino fall. Like one of them will sign in and the other two will. Um, but yeah, the, the more it drags on, the more they're going to start bumping down my lists a little bit because it, just everything I said, the, the missing training camp hurts a player. Missing the start of the season can hurt a player. It can hurt in terms of fantasy value. Sometimes players return from that kind of thing and they're just not the same. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I didn't think Dalvin Cook and Miami made a lot of sense, but we'll see from, from there what, what happens next. For me, and unfortunately we, we won't have this answer unless he signs with them and then we see a few games worth of action. Uh, the only like I like Cook going to Miami if they use him the way that they used him in Minnesota, because that's him attached to a high powered offense and we know what he can do. But what I'm worried about is like they brought in Chase Edmonds last year to be the guy and had Raheem Mostert there. And then Chase Edmonds ended up not being the guy. Now, obviously, right. Dalvin Cook is a much better football player than, than Chase Edmonds, but I'm just worried that. They're, if they brought him in, that they don't use him exclusively, you know, and like they're rotating Raheem Mostert and maybe Jeff Wilson as well in there. And then his value just gets crushed because he's just not getting the opportunity and the volume to do the things that we know he can do. Um, but unfortunately, that's something that you couldn't really, you won't know until it's happening. You know what I mean? And you've already picked him in your draft. So it's not my favorite spot just for that. But at the same time, there's definitely worse spots that he could go to. So we yeah. we shall see. We, yeah, we we'll might know by where he ends up. Yeah, we might know by our next episode because that'll that'll be after that July 17th date. So we might have an answer. Yeah. yeah, and it would be good. I mean, if 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 some of these players can get signed sooner rather than later, then some of my concerns will will not remain. But the longer it drags on, especially if it goes into August. I could see some of these players drop really, really fast in my mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of training camp, Broncos running back Javante Williams expects to be ready for the start of training camp coming off of an ACL injury. So that'll be a good indicator. Like If he can come back for the start of training camp and actively participate and do drills throughout the entire training camp, that would probably do a lot to... I guess, get rid of any concerns that people have about him missing time during the season. I'm still very bearish on him because of like the, the data that we have on running backs coming back from these ACL injuries and like they don't perform the way that they did in that first season back more often no. than not. Um, very, very rarely do they ever pan out in that first year. So even if he does make it for the full season, you know, what John Tyler are we getting? But 17 games of even a reduced Javante is still worthwhile for fantasy. Certainly not as like an RB one, maybe not as an RB two, but certainly a flex maybe as your RB two, if you're kind of forced into it, but that's not a possibility. You know, if he's, if he's missing a month or two, so, no, it's not. And you know, our fans have to keep in mind that one of the things with the Broncos specifically is that the, their offense will will run through him if he's healthy. Um, mm -hmm. Every team, no matter how bad they are, they're going to score touchdowns at some point in time. 
Um, so even if Russell Wilson continues down his path of darkness, this could be a bit of a game changer in terms of where the player lies. But I, I kind of agree with what you said. I think that's where I would place him if I was tiering it as more a flex option, like a good flex option, especially if it gets going. But because of the risk, relying on him as your RB1 or 2, probably not a very safe position to be in. No, definitely not. Yeah, if he's if he's if you're looking at him to be your RB one, something went really wrong in your draft. One hundred percent. Good luck to you. Um, one last bit of running back news: Alvin Kamara pled no contest to a misdemeanor charge for his role in the uh, Las Vegas fight, and his felony charge was dropped. So I believe he has to do some community service and pay, I think it was $105,000 to the victim uh, for medical bills incurred, but no, no jail time, anything like that. So he's still subject to punishment by the NFL under their, um, I think it's called the personal conduct policy. Right. So odds are he's still got some discipline coming his way, but the fact that he's not getting a felony charge in terms of court I think helps his case avoid a long-term suspension he may still be suspended but it might not be as long now as kind of what we were preparing for which was like up to six weeks yeah so he he might get maybe one to three weeks now or maybe because it's just a misdemeanor he might go they, they like the NFL might go to a fine like, I'm not sure but I think it's going to be a much lower penalty for him than we were expecting yeah i mean that definitely i mean i i just don't know what to think of him <laughs> i really don't um he's he's one of those there's uh, when putting rankings together and looking at lists and that's all i've been doing the past couple of weeks for football stuff i just don't know where i want to place him because I think I do think he will miss some time. Like I do think they're going to either suspend him or he's going to be, you know, forced to miss a little bit of time there. How much I don't know, and how this really impacts him, I don't know either. Um, this team is so is is improved. I think I think the Saints are an improved team from what they were. So maybe this might make a big difference. Like if he's not going to be gone six weeks, he's going to be a big part of this offense. He certainly used to be a player you could kind of count on. Um, I don't know where this with this news changes it. Like he's he's just riddled with mystery for me right now. I don't know where to put him. Yeah. The, the other complicating factor is Jamal Williams. Yes, who's also gonna take some, you know, take some reps away from him. Yeah, and, and they they brought him in um they brought him in for a reason, right? Expecting Alvin Kamara to be suspended. Not available. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I actually, I'm just looking up their conduct policy here now. So any player found to have committed a violation involving criminal assault or battery, among others, is subject to at least a six-game suspension. But the charges and, were dropped. And it also stipulates it is not enough simply to avoid being found guilty of a crime. It takes into account matters of disposition of a criminal proceeding, including mm. players who take plea deals to lesser ah, offenses. Okay. So it might not save him from the six minimum. Right. 
it might have saved him from maybe something even more extreme. Yes, but yeah. He might have to just serve the six-game suspension, which is significant. Exactly. Um, so I guess it'll all come down to their investigation and like what they deem to have really have occurred. But it seems like from what I'm reading here, yeah, that seems to be their baseline is if they find in their investigation that you did one of those things like that falls under criminal uh, assault or battery, then you get six games. So maybe he will get the full six and uh, he just avoided getting extra off the field problems. I guess we're going to have to, we're going to have to wait and see just like everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a very interesting time to see what happens there. And I'm, uh, I'm really going to be, especially as we, we get closer to our deadline to get our lists in. So we, so for our, for our lists episodes that are coming up on the podcast, it's um, my running back list is fluid. There's a lot of moving pieces here, so yep. I'm waiting to see. Absolutely. All right, one last bit of news, Mike. The New York Jets have been selected to be featured in this year's Hard Knocks. Yeah, I mean that's not that's not a surprise. Aaron Rodgers all up in the hard knocks this season. He'll love that. Oh, I'm sure he will. Do you watch mm-hmm. hard knocks? I I've watched it. Yeah. Are you going to watch it now? No. Nope. <laughs> I avoid in, I avoid interviews with that clown. So no, why would I watch hard knocks? I don't know. You could, maybe you could see a whole other side of him. I don't know. No, 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 no not for you. He doesn't have any other sides. Come on. All right. We're definitely going to come back to this when the footage starts coming out. And we're gonna <laughs> yeah. Some, well, I mean, for the sake of the podcast, for, you. for the sake of the podcast, if there are reasons to watch certain things so I can be educated to discuss it, I will certainly do that, but I'm not going to do it on my own time. I would only do it for the fans. <laughs> That's right. the only reason why I would ever do that. <laughs> well, speaking of our fans, I believe we have a fan question today. Yes, we do. Um, we have a fan question from Bailey. Uh, and Bailey has a similar situation that Josh and I find ourselves in every single year. So this is a good question for this. So Bailey wants to know, um, I've been listening to your podcast and other podcasts talking about lists and coming up with strategies. I'm in a league with a bit of an unusual group of drafters. I'm in this 18 league, so there are seven other players other than myself. And I am looking for some advice for when they draft a little bit oddly. I am on the same page as both of you and a lot of other analysts, but different draft strategies and everything you're saying is making a lot of sense. But do you have any advice for being in a bit of an abnormal drafting group where they go off the board all the time and suddenly you find yourself in odd situations during the draft? And that comes from Bailey. So being in an eight-team league is kind of unique on its own because essentially the smaller a league gets the more stacked each team becomes because then everybody gets some elite talent on their rosters and then it kind of just becomes a shootout every single week and you could have an amazing team but most of the other teams in your league are also going to have amazing teams And it's just essentially going to come down to each and every single week. Whereas, you know, in a bigger league, like a 10 or 12 person league, 
the the parity is not really there in terms of your rosters because you're going to have only one or two all-stars probably on each team, maybe three if you got lucky. Um, so that's something for you to consider just being in a smaller league is you need to focus on getting your team as rounded out as possible where you're going to be competing against great teams every week just due to the league size. Now, when like Mike said, we, we deal with this every year in our home every league. Every single year, yeah. Because things go off the rails immediately. And I mean first pick of the draft things things go sideways and you're just immediately ha- we're immediately having to reevaluate our strategies and what i've found works best is essentially when everyone else zigs you zag so everyone is stocking up on quarterbacks early get yourself the best running backs and wide receivers you can um somebody starts bringing in kickers and defenses really early don't worry about it you don't need one till the end of the draft focus on stocking up on wide receivers and running backs maybe a quarterback if it's in the middle rounds and there's still one out there that you like um pay pay attention to who is going because if seven of those of the teams go and take a quarterback and then you're at the point where well there's only one left that i really want and your league is known to draft multiple quarterbacks, then you're going to have to take the guy so you don't end up with no one. But if, if you know that, okay, they're all going to do this silly thing first, okay, then I'm going to stock up. I'm going to go and get Christian McCaffrey, and then I'm going to get Justin Jefferson. You know, if uh, with your first two picks, let's say, because everybody else is off doing something weird. So find the best value that you can because... You'll, you'll be able to work around their odd choices to benefit yourself. Uh, just stick to what you know from listening to us and from listening to other analysts, like what the keys are to building a successful roster, and then just pivot if you need to. But I, I've, well, as my, Mike can attest to, I've won two, two seasons in a row, and we've had incredibly zany drafts the past two years, and I've found that keeping my same theme going into the draft and then just adjusting each round as necessary has worked wonders for me. Um, Obviously you don't win the league in your draft, but it certainly makes it a lot easier if you don't have to spend all season trying to rebuild. If you have a great foundation, then you just have to do maintenance really. Yeah. Like I think, I think not panicking is a hundred percent key here. (laughs) Like you just can't panic when things kind of go in a weird direction that you weren't anticipating, like trust your own draft boards and your own list and like follow it. Just, you know, Josh, you hit upon a good thing there where you're like, you, you got to pay attention to what's going on so you can make sure you're not left in the dust to really get someone if you need to, but, but try not to panic too much, stick to your plan, stick to your guns. Um, you know, last episode we talked about being flexible. Like it, it it's just about that, that mix it's finding that balance between total flexibility and changing everything and being too stubborn and sticking by your plan. You've got to have that mix. Sometimes it makes sense to stand your ground, stick with what you know, and then other times you've got to make adjustments on the fly and you might see as the, you know, whatever the flow is of your draft, you're going to have to pay attention to that throughout. The last two years in particular in our draft has been zany and that's, because 
you know, our, our pool does, they do, they do trend when, when one person does something, other people do jump on that and you get a trend going. And last year was particularly, um, difficult, but what started it all was the year before. So I don't know if you remember this, Josh, but the year before, I think I had the second overall pick and the first person who picked first picked a running back or whatever, like as normal, like picked a, not a weird pick. And then I picked Josh Allen and in the draft was one of the other people involved who, who does know quite a bit about football. Like one of the ones that does, like he said something to me and I said like this because he's going to be an MVP. He's going to have an MVP season this year. And I was so confident he was going to outscore every the quarterback because I had the second overall pick. I'm like, I'm jumping on him. And that threw everyone off. Everyone was like, what are we doing? Everyone's now picking quarterbacks. And it continued into the next year where we just saw quarterbacks like last year. We saw quarterbacks go off the board, like the first like six picks. And it was mayhem. Um, and I had the last pick of the draft that time. So I'm sitting here going, I'm not going to have a quarterback. <laughs> like I'm not going to have anything. Um, but I, I made adjustments on the fly. I just decided to change a little bit of my strategy and decided to focus, like you're saying, Josh, fo- I focused on running backs. I focused on wide receivers. I got myself two good running backs and a good wide receiver in my, in the first three rounds. And then I went out and, and hunted down a quarterback. Um, and sometimes being calm and being like, you know what? Let everyone fight over quarterbacks right now. Eventually they're going to stop. You're, you can move on and focus elsewhere and then come come down the road in your third round or fourth round as you're picking. You'll have your pick of quarterbacks because everyone's done. <laughs> so you never, you know, you got to watch the trends. You've got to be paying attention to what's going on, but uh, not get too tied up in what other people are doing. Um, but our draft, Josh, this is how zany it gets. It, it, we don't even know what it's going to be like this year. We have no idea if it's going to be the same as last year, if it's going to go completely off the rails. And it all depends who picks first, really. They're going to set the tone. Yeah, I, I have heart palpitations thinking about our draft. Oh, it's and so exciting. It's it's the how? most exciting ever. <laughs> our draft yeah. is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. And well, like just... we, do, we do nothing special. It's just the organic nature of it. It just goes off the rails immediately. And it's... Well, yeah, and not... we have such a... You know, we're a 12-team league. And I would say right now we have maybe out of the 12, five people, maybe six who like not only watch football every week, but like really are into it. And then everyone else is kind of like friends or spouses of those involved. And they're into it and they get give an effort, especially last year. Like I'll credit our league. Last year, everyone was active every week, making mm-hmm. changes, mm-hmm. checking their lineups. Like they were great. We fixed sort of the issues we had a couple of years ago, people not paying attention. Um, so it was great, but they're, they're not quite as knowledgeable. So they're not doing all this. So they're picking more on the fly based upon just the sheets we give them to go off of. And they don't care. They're having fun with it. They'll, they want this person. They want this person that they recognize or know this person. They go for it. And it does throw wrenches in there where you're like, okay, I did not anticipate this happening. Yeah, that's, that's the problem, especially when you're playing with people who are more casual is, you, you can't anticipate it. You will never put yourself no. in their brain. So just, you got to stay, uh, stay fluid, you know, stay, uh, stay mobile. There's that, uh, there's that military quote, you know, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. <laughs> yeah. No, That's a good one. no, uh, no football, no fantasy football draft strategy survives the first round 
or the first pick if you're in our home league. And my f- my first don't is also really good reflective on on this, and we'll come to it in a minute. But like, don't worry, don't worry and obsess too much about what other people are doing. Definitely keep an eye on it, but I don't think you have to obsess over what other teams are doing. I think that can be a big trap you fall into worrying way too much about what what your other people are doing. But I like honestly, Bailey, we're in the same boat you are. So like we we understand and you're gonna if you keep listening to this podcast, you will hear us week to week talk about the crazy zaniness. We'll recap our draft on the show. We'll definitely talk about it. Cause even during the week, like there are some trades and and transactions that happen that are off the wall. Yeah, if you wanna if you wanna listen to Mike and other people in our league just absolutely body me then well, uh, well stick deserved. around yeah well whatever whatever well but thank you for uh for writing in bailey uh, if you have fan questions for us we love to hear from you you can reach us on uh facebook instagram twitter we're on threads now you can get us all on all those <laughs> you can thread us. Uh, social you can thread us you can get us on all those social media accounts at conquer your draft you can go to conqueryourdraft.com we've got a podcast page with a form you can fill out or you can shoot us an email at contact at conquer your draft so let's get into our do's and don'ts part two for fantasy football drafts. And Mike, you can kick us off with your uh, your first don't. Yeah, my first don't, as I alluded to, uh, don't focus on others. Now, with all of our do's and don'ts, keep in mind, everybody, we're not saying this is like a 100% definite, like, oh, just like, don't worry about what other people are doing at all. You have to pay attention. You have to pay attention to what the trends are. You have to go with the flow. You do have to see what other people are doing, but don't obsess over it. Don't focus on your rival or someone in your league or you're competitive with what they do. I don't even pay attention to who Josh drafts um, during during the, the draft. I focus on my team. I see the trends. Okay, here are a couple players that I want as my picks coming up. Okay, let's pay attention to who's getting selected. See if I do I think I can get this person later. Do I have to pick them now? Those types of things, absolutely. But don't focus on individual people and like, oh, this person who I'm competitive with in my league, just pick this and this and this. Now I got to match them. Don't do that. You're going to fall into a trap. Focus on you. Trust the team that you're putting together. Trust what you're doing. Build the best team you can. Deal with the rest of it in matchups once you get there. It's too early to be focusing on matchups with particular people. Start focusing on just building your team first and then the rest will come. Yeah, I think if you like, like Mike said, you know, it's not never one hundred percent real because you, you do need to be aware of what other people are doing, but more sure. so on the trends that are happening, not so much yeah. on the, the other people. Um, especially if you're in your league with a bunch of people who, like, you're you're friendly with, and like you guys are trash talking. If you're focusing on other people, you're going to let them get in your head, and uh, then you might go on tilt and start making some bad choices in your draft <laughs> that you're going to be paying for all season. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, I know in our draft, there are certain people that I'm like, okay, here are my threats. I always have my threats. Now, now sometimes that changes because even some people who are there more casually, they can build good teams. We've had a few people who are more casual, go deep in the playoffs and have good teams because they end up through the luck of the draft getting a good team and they pay attention they make a couple of good moves and suddenly they're having success. They care about it less than we do, but I still pay attention to that. So I think, you know, 
you're not going to know 100% who your threats are in the league until the teams are put together. And anyway, the teams at the beginning, it's less important. The, the, the app, the NFL app told me last year I was going to finish with three wins. That's what it said. You're going to miss the playoffs and finish with three wins. And I finished second and went to the finals. So, you're, again, it's not the draft is not the be-all, end-all. You can do things during the league. You can repair some of the things you've done. You, just because a, a, an algorithm or another person doesn't think you have a great team, you can prove them wrong. So don't focus too much too early on other people. Just pay attention to those trends. Watch those trends. You just got to believe in yourself. Yep. That's 96% of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my draft do take late round swings. So when you get into the deeper rounds of your draft, you, you've essentially got all of your positions covered off. You've got your quarterback, your tight end, a couple of running backs, a couple of wide receivers, and now you're just building depth in your bench. Maybe you still have to get your defense and kicker, but you can save them towards the end of the draft anyways. So excluding those, let's say, last two picks, for the rest of it, now you're just building depth. And part of what you want to do when you're building depth is aim for upside, aim for the player that's going to break out. So it's a great place to take rookies that are on good offenses, you know, players that are maybe returning from injuries that everyone else has passed over, but have proven to be good in the past, like a Javante Williams, uh, like a Kyler Murray. You know, if he, if you're, you want to take that shot, that's the time to do it. Don't take it early in the draft when you're building your core foundation, you take them later on when if you're wrong, you're wrong, small, but if you're right, you just got the winning lotto ticket for free. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in this. I, I do the same thing. Like I take all my swings I'm going to take. I take them late round. And once I've kind of built my core team, it's like, okay, now it's time to take a couple risks. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it there. Because listen, some of the players late round in the draft, like they're not worth it anyway. Like a player who you know is not going to be great isn't, the same value to me as someone who is like well they might not be great but there's a chance they are and if they have that chance and if they're they're a player like i mean i odell beckham jr when he was a free agent last year um antonio brown the the infamous antonio brown was a late round swing you never know what a player can do to sort of help you in there so even if it doesn't work out honestly it's the same as taking the third wide receiver from a team where you know they're not going to get the same amount of attention as everyone else take that swing on a player that you're not sure about coming off of injury coming out of retirement available as a free agent whatever take the swing late put them on your team and see what happens yep worst case scenario you cut them after a few weeks and pick someone up off the waiver wire and there will be people on the waiver wire, regardless of the size of your league, you will get waiver wire things because there's players who you never expect have a good season, start having a good one. And if you pick them up at the right time, there you go. You can replace that uh, that kind of mistake from the draft. But I, I agree with this one. Like this is a really good do that I don't think a lot of people take advantage of. You've got to take those swings at some point in time. It's the safest way to do it. Later in the draft, you're just building up your bench. You can take a couple swings. Absolutely. All right, Mike, let's hear a don't. All right. uh, My next don't uh, is don't get mad about your draft placement. Don't get too obsessed and caught up once the draft placement happens. Now, this is for leagues who do it sort of 
randomly, even if you're in a snake draft and you just don't know until you sit down. Um, don't worry about it too much. If you're dead in the middle, if you're last uh, versus if you're first, there's nothing you can do about it once the placement's made and you just have to sit there. Like, frankly, being in the top couple picks, yeah, it's a great feeling. Being in the middle really, really sucks. Being at the end from last year, I preferred that to being in the middle because you can. there's nothing you can do. So I just sat back. I've got to, I've got to see 11 picks happen. And then whatever's there is what I have available. And that's the same, no matter where you pick, there's nothing you can do about it. So there's no point in being too upset or worried about it. If you are part of the leagues that get your draft assignment, when you sit down to draft, you don't have time to worry about that. You don't have the mental space for it. Wherever you're placed is where you're placed. And you just go from there. Don't get too hung up on it. Don't worry too much about it. Don't think, oh, well, I have no chance if I pick last. I picked la- I didn't have a top five pick till round five this past year, and I finished second. I went to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. And the year before, I had the second pick. So <laughs> completely different like draft scenarios and the same result. So don't focus too much on it. Don't worry too much about it. Don't put too much stock in where you're drafting. Just sit back and go, hey, I can't do anything about it now, but now I know my placements and I can start planning from there. I'm actually going to piggyback off of yours and morph it into part of my do, mm-hmm. which is do mock drafts. Yes, very helpful to do mock drafts. So there's a reason why NFL teams practice throughout the weeks. It's it's when they sh- that way when they show up for game day, they can execute accordingly, right? So that's what essentially you're doing when you're doing your mock drafts. It's that when you show up to your fantasy football draft, you've practiced, you've gone through, you've done, you've seen where players are going on average. You know what the odds are of a player dropping to you, you know, when you need to reach on someone. You can see, okay, you can test out different strategies, you know, go running back heavy, go wide receiver heavy, do go wild. It all means nothing. And then you can see at the end, do I like my team or not? Would I be happy with this team if it was for real mm-hmm. and going off what Mike was saying about his draft placement. That's a great way to practice and prepare yourself mentally for wherever you might be practicing. Like I know whenever I do a mock draft, I essentially just, I'll set it to usually a 10 or 12 team like mock draft setting. And then I'll just throw a number generator out and whatever number I draw from that, that's where I assign myself to pick. So I get a wide variety of ranges from I'm picking first overall to last, seventh sixth ninth third because you have to adapt to where you're drafting from because like mike said there's a lot of picks that are going to go before you if you're deeper in the draft or if you're in the middle you're kind of stuck with where the trends are blowing based on when it comes to you and then when it comes back so you're you're kind of having to always juggle based on what everyone else in the league is doing whereas if you're starting you can kind of set the trend if you're at the end you might be you might be looking at the run and saying, okay, there's no more value there. Like I gotta pivot and get something else, or okay, there's only one guy left. If I don't take him now, then I'm screwed. So if you if you go and do mock drafts regularly, you can set yourself up for all that. And then when you get in the draft, it doesn't matter where you're drafting from because you've prepared for it. You're ready to go. 
Yeah, and the mocks are mocks are great because if you can do it the way you're suggesting and you can do a couple mock drafts and you're placed in different places, you can just see the different scenarios. Now, again, the downside of a mock draft is it's only going to draft the way statistically it tells you to. Like, it's not human. It's very, very robotic. So if you're in a draft like, you know, Josh and I are or Bailey is, you're, you might find that less difficult. But again, it's it's one of those scenarios where it's practicing. It's good for you to practice different scenarios and try different mock draft generators. Don't use the same app all the time. Go to different ones and see what different formats and and even different rankings can do for you to see exactly where you want to pick people and to see where things go. I think it's a very, very good exercise that even casual players out there do a do a handful of them. Just one or two mock drafts doesn't take you too long. You can speed it up. So you're the only one who who takes time. You can finish a mock draft in 10 minutes if you need to. And just give it a shot. Try it out. And I bet you you'll find that it'll be very helpful. Yep, absolutely. I can't recommend mock drafts enough. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, Mike, you're up with a don't. Okay. Um, don't focus on a player's name. So this is a one that I'm very, very, very passionate about because I call it the Dak Prescott syndrome. Um, <laughs> do not elevate a player just because you think they're talented or because of the name recognition. Um, the big mistake my parents made last year was their first picks were Tom Brady and one Aaron Rodgers. Because See, that's where my mind always goes. That's that's well, the first thing I, think I call. Of. I call it the Dak, Dak Prescott thing because even football people like you love Dak Prescott, and he's done nothing to deserve it. But anyway, we've already had the debate. Um, yes. So, in terms of of that, it, focusing on a player's name just because you recognize the name of the player doesn't mean you automatically need to pick them. And be careful of that bias of elevating a player just because of their name recognition. Sometimes a player who's been around for a while is not going to be a great pick. And just because they, you know, they're talented or you know, they're on a good team doesn't mean they're in a good situation. You can know a player is extremely talented and good, but they're in a situation where, well, their offense is crowded. So this player who's got this name recognition, like, again, it depends where they go. Someone like Ezekiel Elliott in the wrong situation, he's not going to be as high as a pick as he should be because he's in the wrong situation. So that's why it's interesting to watch some of these big name running backs go depending upon where they're going to go, will depend upon how I think they end up being ranked. So don't put too much stock and get so fixated on a player's name. Um, Aaron Rodgers is not the player he used to be. He's not a top 10 quarterback in this league. Will he be a decent fantasy quarterback? I think so. But his name recognition is going to elevate him for some people and don't fall into that trap. And it's the same thing with any of the positions that you can name. Sometimes players kind of drop Alvin Kamara. Another good one, have name recognition for people. Michael Thomas, Dak Prescott, these name recognition players that get elevated and elevated and elevated, but the real world situation doesn't match that. So, so do your research. Pay attention to what the situation pl- the player is in, whatever that situation might be, and don't focus too much on their names, whether it be the, you can call it the Aaron Rodgers or the Tom Brady syndrome, but I'm, I call it the Dak Prescott because I think that that's a little bit more... Uh, more of a faux pas in my mind. All right. All right. I'm going to touch on a quick do and then a don't, and that will be it for for this. For our do's and don'ts. For, for, yeah, for this part of the podcast. So do prioritize, 
prioritize, sorry, a quarterback or a tight end. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about this a lot more when we go into our draft strategies episode next week. But essentially, you need to prioritize one of these two positions. These are your one-off positions, meaning you can only start one of them in each spot for each matchup. So as a result of that, you got to make the most of it. So there's pros and cons for taking a quarterback or a tight end early, but ultimately you're at a significant competitive advantage for the most part when you focus on at least one of them early. That being said, once you've done that with one of them, don't do it with the other. So if you focus on tight end early, you're going to have to kind of punt quarterback till a later round or vice versa. If you prioritize a quarterback early, you got to punt tight end to a later round. Because if you focus on the two of them, then yeah, you're going to have a great positional advantage at those two spots, but your overall running back and wide receivers are going to be a lot worse than everyone else in your team, uh, in your league, sorry. And unless you get really lucky and you get a breakout in each of them, then the quarterback and tight end are probably not going to do enough on their own to push you over, over the edge against those teammates. So prioritize one of them and you should have one of them probably within your first three maybe four picks on your team and you've just got to decide which one that you want, but mm-hmm. then whichever one you don't punt, punt them down the line a little bit. I'm yeah. not saying like wait till the last round or anything, but you need to build up your depth everywhere else before you go back to the other one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a good point. And I mean, understanding that understanding that they are important positions, but certainly in terms of the tight ends, it's good to keep in mind that like, it's kind of a roll of the dice unless you pick a certain two, maybe three players. So it's a roll of the dice anyway, once you get past a certain few. So if you're in one of those situations where like, well, I need to prioritize tight end, but I'm in a situation where the first couple are gone, you can kick it down the road a little bit because it's probably a roll of the dice no matter who you pick anyway. So it's like understandable to then say, okay, now I can prioritize quarterback. I'll switch over here. Um, it's it's definitely a good point. And you can, again, you can only start one, one each week. So you, you need to have a, a good one in place. And I understand why people want backups. Like, hey, I'm a big backup planner. Like I as I'm drafting, I want to be like, okay, I need someone to step in. But if you have a good quarterback or good tight end, how many times will you honestly need a backup? Once, maybe twice, like the bye week. And then assuming they don't get hurt, maybe one bad matchup week and that's it. So it's definitely something you can worry about substitutional positions for them a lot later. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Our last one, don't overinvest in defenses and kickers. So Mike, listen up because you, you tried to make an argument a few weeks ago that it was worthwhile taking your shot and I've got some stats to back this up. Okay. So there's always someone, there's always going to be somebody in your draft who wants to take the best defense early in the draft. Same thing with kickers. Somebody always wants to take one earlier than they need to. And it's a waste of a pick because very rarely do defenses actually live up to their preseason rankings. And more often than not, you can get an undrafted defense that ends up being in the top 10, if not the top five at the end of the season. And with kickers, the difference in points between the top 10 from first to 10 is not very big. So you find a kicker that you believe in and stick with them, or you can rotate your kickers every week based on the matchups. You can even do that with your defenses too. That's a very viable strategy called streaming. Um, Only works if there's enough free defenses that are on the waiver wire each week. Same thing with kickers. So if your league historically, like, like our home league, everyone tends to take two defenses, two kickers. 
So streaming, not really an option because you're stuck with basically four or five options and they're usually not very great options. So base it off of your league. But if your league sticks with just one defense, one kicker on your roster, streaming is a very viable uh, option. So I'm going to go and just, I've, I've got some stats here from the 2022 season. So the number one overall defense was the New England Patriots with 186 points. They were being drafted around the 183rd pick overall. So going into the season, Dallas Cowboys, Buffalo Bills, they had pretty high ranked defenses. Same thing with the 49ers. So Dallas finished at number two. San Francisco finished at number three. They were going 60 to 40 picks ahead of where the New England went. And they finished almost 20 points behind. Uh, Buffalo Bills, they were going at number 94 overall. They only got 150 points, so 36 less points than number one in New England, and they were going almost exactly half of what New England was getting drafted on average. Number six, Jacksonville Jaguars, they weren't even being drafted. Washington Commanders finished at number nine. They weren't being drafted. Now, the difference in defenses between one and ten is a lot bigger than it is with kickers, but my point here is that just because a team is projected to be number one going into the season, a lot of the time it doesn't pan out that way. So you can take your shot on the defense that you like later in the draft. Don't worry about getting the first defense off the board. The average yeah, points. I, I, listen, we disagree. Oh, <laughs> one, one last thing. The one right, last right. thing. The, the average point per game difference between number one and number 10, four points. So you got an average of four, four extra points per week if you had the number one defense versus the number 10. So the stats... The stats suggest just pick whatever defense uh, you think is going to do well. Pick them late in the draft. Focus on building up everywhere else. Now for kickers, Justin Tucker, obviously number one over kick, uh, overall kicker, and he was being drafted that way. The number two overall kicker finished exactly one point behind him and was getting drafted about seven rounds later, or seven picks later. So pretty, pretty consistent. Nothing too crazy there. Brett Maher finished as number three with five points behind Justin Tucker. He wasn't being drafted. You go down to number 10, we got Eddie Pinheiro, 133 points. So only a 27 point difference. He wasn't being drafted either. And there's two others in that top 10 who also went undrafted. The average point per game difference between number one, Justin Tucker and number 10, Eddie Pinheiro, one and a half points per week. And two of the guys who, uh, who went right behind him, who tied for number three, actually. So number three and number four, they both went undrafted and only scored five less points than Justin Tucker. So don't panic and think that you need to take a kicker early. The math will, the math will pan out. And if the guy that you picked to be your guy doesn't work out, switch to streaming. And then if you find one who starts hitting for whatever reason, maybe the offense can't score a touchdown and all they're doing is kicking field goals, then stick with your guy and know that you built up everywhere else. Do you have any rebuttal, Mike? Well, I mean, in the short, not in the amount of time we have left here, but like <laughs> what, I will say is, what I will say is I'm not suggesting picking a kicker uh, first overall, and I'm not suggesting picking a kicker or a defense in your fifth pick. But what I would be interested to see is some of the stats that mean more to me, which is not average draft value, because I don't care what someone in Austin, Texas is doing in their draft. I don't care if someone from Austin, Texas 
values or pick someone and everyone in in new york picks this way and everyone in ohio picks this way no i don't care what i care about is if you have justin tucker and the top defense their scores at the end of the year compared to the flex pick that you're picking up or the backup running back that you're picking up that you may or may not play and where where that stands i and i get it like i i look at defenses and, and kickers a little bit less than what you seem to be uh, portraying me as here, Josh. I'm like a kicker fanatic. But I do think, like Justin Tucker, for example, is a kicker that I eventually traded for and got, made a big difference in several wins for me. And having a strong defense and a strong kicker that you don't have to worry about, and then you focus on kind of your bench after that, is one of the strategies I've used before that has helped me out in the past. I'm not going to jump off the board and quickly grab a kicker and, and defense here, but I do think there would it would be interesting to look at their comparable stats to some of the players that get picked a little bit too early in my mind that are only going to be backups. And well, if you have players on your bench who aren't playing versus a defense and kicker you must play every week, those are the stats I'd want to look at because I want the points. I want the points for the person playing, not the points for the person left on the bench. But I agree not to jump up and worry about it. I agree about that. I just think kickers and defense get forgotten about and devalued a lot from a lot of people all over the place. And they can make a difference if you have a good one. They can. Yeah. Or you can just take kickers out of your league and save everyone no, a lot of, yeah, a lot you, of headaches. You just want to get rid of the kickers. I, I love the kickers. I, I'm fine with having kickers. I want to change up how the defense is scoring, but not not the kickers. Come on, kickers are fine. If you're doing one, got to do the other. No, They're not the same. The yeah, running backs yeah. and wide receivers aren't the same. Running yeah, backs yeah. and quarterbacks aren't the same. They're, it's different. They're, they're similar. Yes. Yeah, all right. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, get out of here episode's yeah. over <laughs> yeah yeah if uh if you have any uh any feelings about defense or kickers please let us know we'd, let we'd us like know. to hear what side of this you you fall on but uh, that is it for draft do's and don'ts next week we're going to dive into draft strategies to help you prepare for your fantasy football draft and then after that we're going to swing into our positional rankings thanks for listening take care stay safe